listen, I've been sitting back waiting for the right time to drop a pod. Really, I was uh, trying to get out an, an NFL show, just uh, talking about all the different things that are going on in NFL free agency. And every time I sat down to record, another bombshell dropped and it's insane. So I'm probably going to have to do a longer show talking about that. So what I'm not going to do today is talk about NFL free agency. I'm going to get a longer show discussing all that, all the crazy moves. And just a quick side note, when they say NFL is king, they mean it. It used to be that NBA free agency was the talk of the American sports landscape. The NFL has somehow managed to take that over too. So they go from giving you the regular season, which is the highest rated and best regular season in American sports. Then they follow that up with obviously the greatest playoff run we've probably ever seen this past year. Then they follow that up with, with an incredible Super Bowl. Then they follow that up with an incredible off-season free agency period, and then is going to come the draft. So this is absolutely insane. But for today, we're not really going to talk about that too much. We're actually going to talk about one of your and my favorite talking points, LeBron James. So since we've uh, last been together and done a show, LeBron James has passed Carl Malone to move into second all-time on the NBA scoring list. And of course, what does that do? Not only does that... Um, open all types of discussions and conversations about LeBron James's greatness. But of course it also carries on to the never ending goat debate. I mean, for me, as you guys know it, there really is no goat debate. It's Michael Jordan, hands down, but there's, there's people in the media, your Nick Wrights, your Shannon Sharps and, and among others. And then even beyond that, there are so many uh, younger fans, millennials and, and people younger than that, I don't know what you call the people after millennials, but millennials and then the generation that come after them who are adamant that LeBron James is the greatest player of all time. Now, I'm, I'm pretty sure a huge part of that has to do with obviously they never saw Michael Jordan play. And um, not only did they never see Michael Jordan play the way the game is marketed today and so much of what they've heard from the sports media, the, the sports talk shows, et cetera you know, has colored the way they view the game. And so as a, as a result, they see Michael, uh, excuse me, not Michael Jordan, they see LeBron James as being the greatest player of all time. But we're going to discuss today one particular aspect of that argument, because really the argument is just too much to, to do on one show. And I don't want to make this too long. So we're going to discuss one particular argument. Okay. So what I think is really interesting in that argument, you, you hear so many of the LeBron James supporters, and this is neat for me, what they do, instead of touting LeBron, their goal is to tear down Michael Jordan. And I think that's neat because that's a big part of today's sports landscape or sports media or sports talk landscape, if you will. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, not only do you have to tout the accomplishments of your guy, your team, in order to do that, you have to tear down someone else, right? Especially in the modern NBA, in the modern NBA media. I find that so interesting that in order to prop up this generation, they have to tear down the generations of the past. And to me, what that clearly says is that just puts it right out there that the merits of this generation aren't good enough to stand on their own. So what do they have to do? Tear down the past in order to prop this one up. I don't agree with that philosophy, but so be it. I guess when you lack the historical reference point, that's the easiest way to do it. You want to compare stats and this, that, and the third. But when you lack the historical context, it really doesn't make sense. It's apples to oranges because, as you know, 
the NBA game from Michael Jordan's era was just a totally different game than the NBA game of today. And that's fine. But, you know, if you want to make those comparisons, it's nearly impossible to do because it's just so different. The way the game is played, the way players move around, the way teams are constructed, et cetera. Okay. Let me get off that soapbox. So the, the, the biggest argument that I often hear in favor of LeBron James, they, they say, and especially you got a guy like Nick Wright. Before Scottie Pippen got there, a total and complete loser, not just never got out of the first round, not just one and nine in the playoffs, never even above 500 in the regular season. Can I have point number two, please? Larry Bird, the best player when he walked into the league. You know how many times Michael beat Larry in the playoffs? I don't mean in a series. I mean in a single playoff game. The answer to that is zero. He says, Michael Jordan never beat Larry Bird in a playoff game. Michael Jordan took three years to get through the Pistons. Michael Jordan was one and nine in the playoffs without Scottie Pippen. Okay, that's interesting. So let, 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 let's talk about that a little bit, because, again, many people, especially young people, lack the historical context to really properly assess those statements, right? So <clears throat> Michael Jordan came into the league in 1984, right? After three years of college at North Carolina, where he won a national championship, where he was player of the year, all ACC first team, blah, 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 right? Okay, we know he hits the legendary shot as a freshman in 1982 to seal the national title. Nobody knew that was a uh, forebear of the things to come that would make him arguably, not arguably in my estimation, but arguably to some people, the greatest player of all time. Okay, got it. So here we go. Michael Jordan comes into the league in 1984. Let's, let's take the first argument. Michael Jordan never beat Larry Bird in the playoffs. Okay. Larry Bird came into the NBA in 1979 after obviously the record-setting college national championship game where uh, Indiana State played against Magic Johnson and the Michigan State Spartans. Obviously, Magic and the Spartans beat Bird in that game, sets off the rivalry that would basically bring the NBA back from the brink of oblivion and begin the path to take it to the levels that we see it at now in terms of success and global popularity, et cetera. But that's for another day. Maybe we'll do a show on that. Anyway, so 1979-1980, Magic Johnson and Larry Bird are rookies in the NBA. Why do I bring that up? Because the argument is that um, um, MJ never beat Bird in the playoffs. Now, I think that the way a lot of younger viewers of the NBA see the NBA is they don't understand that back then there was a pecking order with teams and building towards championships, right? You didn't just walk in the league and get busy right away. There wasn't all this uh, players putting super teams together to manufacture and adjust the timeline on things. There was a timeline. And what do I mean when I say timeline? Okay, so obviously Magic gets lucky. I mean, he I, I have him as my second greatest player of all time. So when I say get lucky, I don't mean get lucky in terms of uh, he couldn't play or be an all-time great impact to a team. I mean, get lucky in there was a trade or something that had taken place that got the Lakers the number one overall pick. So he's able to walk right into the league and hook up with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who's already the reigning MVP and one of the best players, if not the best player in the league at the time. So he gets that. And then two years later, 1982 draft, he gets James Worthy, blah, blah, blah. Um, 1979, 80, that team, they bring over former NBA scoring leader, Bob McAdoo. So he was, uh, 
in a really good position in terms of the organization building a great team around him. By the way, why do I stress organization? Because when people say Magic played on a super team, you can look at the names and say it was a super team, but it wasn't a super team in terms of being constructed by players, right? It was constructed by the organization. Again, that's a story also and a topic for a different day. Player constructed super teams versus organization constructed super teams. But anyway, so Magic was able to walk in, had all the tools right there, added his greatness to it, and he wins a title in year one. Extreme rarity, especially in those times, right? Almost never happens anymore because the great players normally go to bad teams. So between Magic and Bird coming into the league as rookies in 1979-80, by the time Jordan gets there in 1984, they're both five years into their careers, right? Uh, Magic had won four titles by, I'm sorry, not four, two titles by that time. And Bird had already won his first and in 1984 was on his way to his second. So why do I bring this up? Because the argument is that Bird never uh, lost to Michael Jordan or Michael Jordan never beat Bird in the playoffs. Well, what was Michael Jordan supposed to do? Walk in as a rookie in 1984 and beat one of the greatest constructed teams of all time in the playoffs in the East in those Boston Celtics? When you look at the 84 and 86 Celtics, those are two of the best teams of all time. And you probably could add the 85 and 87 Celtics to those lists, but most people don't bring it up because those teams lost to Magic and the Lakers in the finals. But anyway, um, when you look at the, those Celtics teams, of course, you have, uh, you've got Bird, you've got uh, McHale, you've got Parrish, um, you've got uh, uh, Dennis, Dennis Johnson, God rest his soul, at the point guard. You got Bill Walton coming off the bench for the 86 team. So you've got five Hall of Famers on that team. And again, again, not player constructed, organization constructed. Big difference there. Anyway, so now Michael Jordan, he didn't play against uh, Bird and the Celtics in 84. He played against them in the playoffs in 86. But the point is, let's look at Michael Jordan's roster in 1986 and see what was supposed to happen there. I'm going to give you his roster. 1986 Chicago Bulls. Tell me if you recognize any of these names. Gene Banks, Mike Brown, Fred Cofield, Steve Coulter, Dave Corzine, Earl Curtin, Darren Day, of course, Michael Jordan, Pete Myers, Charles Oakley. Oh, there's one. John Paxson, Ben Poquet, Brad Sellers, Sedale Threet, Elston Turner, Granville Walters, and Perry Young. Okay. Wow, what a roster there, huh? I say that not to take shots at any of these players, because obviously to be an NBA player, you have to be a certain caliber. You got to be among the best, what, 420 in the entire world. So I totally get it. But with that said, was that team supposed to beat those legendary Celtics, man? Come on, let's stop it. Uh, Michael Jordan did everything he could possibly do to win that series, including dropping a playoff record 63 in a double overtime loss during that series, to which Michael Jordan, when asked about it after the game by a reporter, said that wasn't Michael Jordan. That was God in basketball sneakers. Heck of a compliment coming from Larry Bird, wasn't it? He didn't give out compliments too readily. But the point I'm trying to make here is, and don't get me wrong, I am not the guy who props up stats in a loss because if I did, then LeBron would definitely be the GOAT for me, right? <laughs> but anyway, the point I'm trying to make is, how was Michael Jordan supposed to surpass that team with that cast of, of, of characters with him? And again, this is no disrespect to those guys, but the point is to make that argument that uh, Michael Jordan never beat Larry Bird in the playoffs is just asinine. 
what he had to go against that team with, it makes no sense, right? And remember, if you're going to say, well, look at what LeBron had to go against some of his finals opponents with. Well, LeBron manufactured his super teams. And also, LeBron wasn't in what, year two of his career? Year three? Year two? Year two. So that's the point I'm trying to make, right? So there's that. But here's the other thing. A lot of people don't realize back then, and I think I mentioned this at the beginning of the video, there was a pecking order when when you looked at the road <clears throat> excuse me the road to a championship right when i say pecking order what do i mean so in the eastern conference um early on in the 80s decade you had the sixers and the celtics i think the the sixers were in the finals in uh 1980 against the lakers that was when magic won as a rookie the sixers were in the finals then uh, the Sixers were in the finals. Uh, they were in the conference finals again in 82. The Celtics beat them and they won the championship. Moses Malone and Dr. J in 1983. That was the faux, faux, faux team. I think they actually lost one on the way to the finals. But the point is the Sixers in the early part of the 80s were the dominant team with the exception of the Celtics winning in, in 82. But yeah, for the most part, the Sixers were the dominant team, right? Bird and the Celtics had to get past them. So that's that's step one when I talk about pecking order. So Bird and the Celtics get past the Sixers. And now Bird and the Celtics are in the finals in um, 84, 85, 86, and again in 87. That's four straight years. That team is in the finals. They won two of them, right? 84 and 86, they lost in 85 and 87. Okay. Now, while Bird and the Celtics are dominating the East for that stretch, the Pistons are being built by their organization, right? That team is putting together that team with Isaiah Thomas and Joe Dumars and these guys, right? That was a team that had to find their way to becoming the bad boys and eventually surpassing the Celtics, right? Um, if you remember, or maybe a lot of the younger viewers and listeners don't, in 1987, that was when Isaiah Thomas threw the bad pass and you get the immortal call, steal by Bird, steal by Bird. And then Bird uh, throws the pass on the steal from Isaiah Thomas to a cutting Dennis Johnson for the layup. And that cost the Pistons that series and, and a chance to go on, right? So you have the Pistons fighting against the Celtics and working their way up. And finally, in 88, they get past the Celtics. And now the Pistons are in the finals coming out of the East, 88. 89 90 right three straight years the pistons are ruling the east and at that point you now have the phil jackson has joined the uh chicago bulls scotty pippen has joined the bulls they're rounding that team out with the roster michael jordan is coming into his own he's an mvp now he's a, a defensive player of the year he's absolutely dominating right so <clears throat> you get michael jordan moving towards the peak of his powers not quite there yet but dominating the league and clearly forging himself into the best player in the game. But the pecking order again, right? So now remember, early 80s Sixers, mid 80s Celtics, late 80s Pistons, and now you have the Bulls on the come up. But here's the problem. The team that was actually in position to be next up in the East after the Pistons was the Cleveland Cavaliers. Mark Price, Brad Dougherty, Larry Nance, this was the team that was supposed to be next surpassed the Pistons, and then it would have been the Bulls after the Cavaliers. But what happened? You have Scottie Pippen, you have Michael Jordan, of course, you have Phil Jackson. They round out the team around him. Michael Jordan is so great, they actually leapfrog in the progression of the Eastern Conference, the Cavs. <clears throat> That's how great Michael Jordan was. They leapfrog the next team up. Why am I giving you this historical timeline? 
because back then that's how it went, right? There was a progression, a timeline as teams were built, they were moving one past the other as one team faded out, the next team that was built moved forward and so on and so forth. It doesn't necessarily work that way today because the way teams are constructed, the way the game is played, and now because of player mobility, so on and so forth. So I'm giving you all this to say, it's nonsensical to say, oh, uh, Michael Jordan never beat Bird in the playoffs. Well, he wasn't supposed to. The roster wasn't there. The team wasn't constructed. It wasn't built, right? It wasn't their time yet. That's not how things went back then. But if you don't have the historical context, you wouldn't know, right? Next up, you say, oh, he never won uh, any playoffs, uh, playoff series without Scottie Pippen. Yes, on his face, that's true. But you got to look at the rest of it, right? First of all, Michael Jordan comes in the league in 84, averages 28, gets to the playoffs, loses to the Bucs. Now, the Bucs were a second-tier team in the East, but were very good at that time, right? So they lose to the Bucs. Again, let me give you Michael Jordan's 1984 Chicago Bulls roster. Dave Corzine, Quentin Daly, Chris Engler, Sidney Green, David Greenwood, Rod Higgins, Steve Johnson, Caldwell Jones, Charles Jones, of course, Michael Johnson, Michael Jordan, excuse me, Wes Matthews, Jawan Oldham, and his Watley, Orlando Woolridge. That was not a good team. It's literally Michael Jordan dragging that team to the playoffs. But again, only so much he can do. Walks into the Bucks. That was a second tier team in the East at the time. He wasn't going to beat them. And he's a rookie. Okay. Anyway, back to Michael Jordan never won a playoff series without Scottie Pippen. <clears throat> yes, on its face, that's true. He never won a playoff series without Scottie. But the thing is, we look at it like Scottie walked in and all of a sudden he was the difference maker. No, they grew together. Because if you remember, Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen were pretty much on the same timeline, right? Jordan gets drafted in 84. He's uh, He has the great rookie of the year season, 28 points per game. Uh, the next season... He plays, and then in the 86 season, he missed most of that because he broke his foot, right? So he plays about a year and a half, really, without Scotty before Scotty gets drafted in 87. And if you want to look at it, Scotty Pippen wasn't really Scotty Pippen like that we know of, probably until about 1990 is when he really started coming around, right? So we're looking at it, those of us who want to use the Scotty Pippen excuse and act like Scotty Pippen was some Superman who walked in and saved Michael Jordan's fate. Now, I'm not saying Michael Jordan gets six chips and goes, you know, six and zero in the finals without Scotty. I'm saying having witnessed Michael Jordan's greatness for myself in real time, I think he gets at least three, right? And then there's this nonsense of, oh, Scotty did everything all Michael Jordan had to do was score. Well, let's stop that because Michael Jordan was nine times first team all NBA and all that was with Scotty Pippen. So how is it that Michael Jordan didn't defend anyone? Where's that coming from? Oh, well, Scotty always depend, defended the opposing team's best player. That's actually a narrative that was brought up. And if you go back and watch those games, Michael Jordan defended the opposing team's best wing just as much as Scotty Pippen did. I think the where that came from was when you say in the 1991 finals, um, Scottie Pippen, the, 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 the series really shifted when Scottie Pippen got on Magic Johnson because of the size and started harassing him after Magic had a really great game one with Michael Jordan defending him, right? So and then, you know, there's that narrative, oh, well, without Scottie Pippen, Michael doesn't win. Uh, okay, I mean, technically you can say that. The empirical evidence is there. But having watched what Michael Jordan was and what he did, I think it's foolish to say he doesn't find a way to win without Scottie. But 
Um, if you look at it, Scottie Pippen guarded Magic Johnson for the majority of the 91 finals. Magic still averaged almost a triple-double. I think he got with like uh, 18, 11, and 8 or something like that for the series. So, yes, he made it harder on Magic, but that's not act like he locked him up or something. Like, that's narrative. Um, also, another quick point, all Michael Jordan had to do was score. Well, that's funny because Michael Jordan averaged 33 points and 11 assists per game in those NBA finals in 91 against the Lakers. 11 assists per game, but all he did was score. I mean, isn't that what you tell me, LeBron people? All Michael did was score? So anyway, I say all this to say, and I'm going to get out of here on this one. Before you, you run with narratives, like you got to do the research. But the problem is, if you don't have the historical context, and that, that's the problem with like stats and numbers and things like that and doing these cross era comparisons. A lot of the context is lost because you didn't see it, right? And I get it. A lot of people didn't see it. But I'm going to tell you the same thing I tell my nephew. It's cool if you didn't see it. It's cool if you feel like LeBron is the GOAT. That's fine. But you can't make definitive statements when you don't have the reference point. All right, guys. Thanks so much for uh, checking in on this video. I'm really trying to figure out how to like pack all this NFL stuff into one episode in terms of the free agency period and all that. But I'm going to figure it out, but I, I got some stuff in the works coming down the pike, um, probably working out some guests as well. So um, yeah, I'll be back with you as soon as I can. Thanks for checking in. Um, you know what time it is. Uh, obviously, if you want to catch me on social media, if you're there, you see uh, how to get me on the bottom. Twitter, at Bruce F.A. Hope, at Bruce F.A. Hope, Instagram, at the format podcast, at the format podcast. You want to email me, you can email me directly, the format podcast at outlook.com, format pack podcast at outlook.com. You can give me a shout, tell me I'm an idiot. I have no idea what I'm talking about. You can tell me you love the show. Tell me what else you want me to talk about. Tell me why I could do better. Love the interaction, whatever it is. All right. Um, also, please, if you haven't already, uh, click that subscribe button in the lower right corner of your screen and click the notification bell so you know when new shows come out. Definitely appreciate you doing that. Um, if you want the audio only version of the show, anywhere you want me, you can get me uh, right here. Are some options on the screen of where you can get the show, but pretty much anywhere you get your audio podcast, type in the format podcast. We will come right up. And finally, if your podcast platform allows you to, please give us that five-star rating, allows us to rise in the algorithm and helps us to find, helps more viewers to find the show. And uh, if you like the show, if you know other people who are sports fans, want to hear me talk about this stuff, don't hesitate, share the show with them. All right. Thanks so much. And I'm out. Peace.